like a nightmare that we're living, but okay. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the Tory Says Show. Today is June 27, 2022 and Beetlejuice, 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 Beetlejuice. Pretty much <laughs> unapologetically, these people are saying things that make absolutely no sense. They're saying it out loud and you're just like, is this really happening? And they are in full panic mode. Oh, yeah, sure they are. We're the ones getting screwed, Tori. They're not in panic mode. Really? Really? Well, let me show you what Jake Tapper had to say about that. This is pretty heavy. Get ready. The success of what is called the American Experiment has been of interest to our friends here in Europe and around the world ever since the term was coined. In the New York Tribune in 1860, just before another look at that fly to destroy the republic because one group of Americans did not like the results of an election. The New York Daily Tribune noted then that, quote, the social and especially the political institutions of the United States have for the whole of the current century been the subject in Europe, not merely of curious speculation, but of the deepest interest, unquote. The question asked then and now, according to the Daily Tribune, quote, is it possible for a government to be permanently maintained without privileged classes and without either hereditary or self-appointed rulers? Is the democratic principle of equal rights, general suffrage, and government by a majority capable of being carried into practical operation, and that too over a large extent of country, unquote? Now, obviously, at the time, American realities for, for blacks, for women, for other non-white Christian men did not match American rhetoric and ideals. The American experiment is, in fact, about those ideals and our ability to meet them. We have been moving as a nation in the right direction until the election of 2020. 
The Tribune wondered in 1860, and many of you may be wondering today about whether, quote, our institutions rest on a solid and permanent basis. Oh, let's usher in the monarchy. We've been learning a lot over the past few weeks about just how much Donald Trump and his minions attempted to disrupt the solidness of those institutions. Can a state's electors be thrown out by the House of Representatives based on lies? Two-thirds of House Republicans, including Republican leaders McCarthy, Scalise, and Stefanik, as well as senators such as Cruz and Hawley, they voted that way, knowing it was all a lie, knowing they were rending the garment of our republic, but apparently not caring. Can the president fly. pressure a state's secretary of state to, quote, find enough votes to flip the result? Wait till we Can get the to president that. weaponize the Justice Department to push states to offer slates of fraudulent electors so as to throw the counting of the electoral votes into, into confusion. confusion. Wait till we get to that. Thus allowing a desperate electoral loser to hold on to power despite the loss. Can a political mob storm the Capitol to stop the counting of electoral votes, to stop democracy in action? The American institutions have held, barely, But you can be forgiven for wondering, as our European allies are, whether our Why is in Germany? prove successful. Remember, it is the American experiment. It is not the American proven theorem. Whether it succeeds, well, that's up to us. Uh, it's not up to you. Thank goodness it's not up to you. You know, because right now we have AOC calling for Justice Clarence Thomas to resign or be impeached as more Democrats are demanding consequences for his wife's texts. Interesting. Very interesting. Like I said last week, this would be interesting. She called for the Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas to step down. And many more over his wife's Ginny's text messages, pushing a Trump administration official to work to overturn the 2020 election. Don't worry. We'll have that in the court this week. You'll see. You just have to have faith, I guess. You know, for me, I get my faith challenged a lot. A lot. Because, you know, it's, it's so many times that I'm thinking, you know, why even bother? Why even bother? I've been blowing the whistle on these elections for, you know, more than a decade to people that had the clearance, gave them information, and no one did anything. And then I thought to myself, you know, I can't come right out and say it because then that'll be an issue. First of all, I couldn't talk about it because I actually committed a federal offense, which had a statute of limitation of five years. Therefore, I can speak of it. Um which, you know, is, is something that I was willing to even go to jail for so that someone could hear it, kind of like Farmer Bro. He was willing to go to jail by increasing a medication that they kept silent that's, get this, for people with AIDS and malaria and other parasitic issues. <laughs> go figure. And they threw him in jail the minute he asked for a hair of Hillary Clinton's uh, they threw him in jail when he asked for someone to get a hair of Hillary Clinton so he can, uh, you know, put it down. Everyone talked crap about Martin Shkreli, right? And he should have just left it there, right? Because he did that to get the wow factor. He upped it to $700 so that people could be like, whoa, why is this medication so expensive? 
And that's why I was talking about him. And I was like, anybody smashing him, he was a genius, what he did. Genius. Absolute genius. So anyway, so now they're in full panic mode. I I mean, they thought they had J6 in the bag, but now it's coming out. You know, uh, Ali Akbar was, you know, a sex toy for these GOPers. And while people think the GOP is their friend, they're the ones that stole it. Here's the, here's how it goes. Let's just, let's just go story time. Once upon a time, Trump actually won the primary for the Republican nomination because the people wanted him because he was speaking like a person, right? Like an average person, because he was a citizen too, who was frustrated. And we all align with that. And he wasn't saying, follow me. He was like, I'm with you. We're all in this together. And you guys are going to be in control and this shouldn't be happening and we're going to fix it. And so (laughs) he gets in and then they plant people around him that are like, it's okay. Once he gets in, we're going to remove him. We got this backup plan ready just in case. We got it for Cruz too. If he doesn't play nice, you know, because we're going to pull this out because he wants to be, he wants his side to be on top. No, 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 no. He's not playing the game right. So we've got to have this ready. Now, one company keeps coming up, oh my gosh, from the DNC hack, RNC hack, to the Hillary Clinton emails, to the fucking election, and that's CrowdStrike. So weird. Ukrainians, of course. Ah, of course. Who, by the way, you know, CrowdStrike was actually hired by the Clinton Foundation, which the Clinton Foundation was actually set up by Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell works for, ah, the rabbit holes are endless. So let's keep it simple. Don't worry, if he gets in, we're going to remove him. We're going to get enough people around him that we're going to get him out. We've got all our people through the transition team. We got this. We got this. We've got them everywhere. DOD, FBI, freaking DHS. We got this down packed. We will block him. Anything he wants to do as president, we will block. Anything he wants to do, we will spin. Anything he tries to do, we will attack. And there's poor Rudy Giuliani. Finding the source. So, Ukraine. So there he is in 2018 in Ukraine hanging out. But the unfortunate thing is he met with an FBI defector from the 9-11 investigation. He got fired because he was messing and having sex with someone. Anyway, it's a big, long story. He met with him in Spain before he went there. So then he's in Ukraine and, uh, you know, he sees that Yovanovitch is playing doorkeeper. You know, she's like, I'm the gatekeeper for the DOJ. Nothing goes to the DOJ if it doesn't go through me. And it's like, uh, that's not your job, lady. People want to give shit over to the DOJ. They can't. Yeah, no, it goes through me. And we're not going to give visas and we're not going to allow them to go because we said so. And then they all meet a couple months later in Munich, Germany. And unfortunately, the actual infrastructure of the Kraken, which is a actual computer, right? Feeds off and has a central and has central nodes across the planet. One of those, I was actually there when they created it as a private contractor. I had the basic admin rights, the backdoor rights. See, they forgot about that, right? They forgot about that. They forgot that I had access to that system on a, an admin level. Right. Because when they were building it, they needed to give me passwords and I was supposed to train other people on how to use a system on searches when we were testing it. And lo and behold, obviously, I'm not going to tell them, you know, it's kind of like if you buy a computer. Right. And if you buy a computer from a store, sometimes there's already a profile on there and you're just like, whose profile is that? That's not mine. 
So while that was happening, I had access to everything, every single phone call, every single email, every single camera that I could access on the phone, every single thing you can imagine I had access to. So I was listening to everything. So the conversations they had in Munich in 2019 was we need to put Joe in the front and Joe isn't up to par. He's got issues. Well, what are we going to do? Obama's not going to do that. Well, the only way he's going to do that is if we got Ukraine in the back. So we need to make sure that we have our person elected. Don't worry. We got it. We've got them on the system. They've already incorporated, uh, you know, our voting system after the debacle in 2014, because we kind of got caught and, you know, they couldn't use it in Crimea, but they used it in Ukraine. So, you know, we've got it down packed. We've got their elections down packed. So we're good. So who are we going to put? Well, let's put this dude that played a president on a TV show. He's likable. He's out there and we're going to get him in. Yeah. Well, Joe won't announce unless, you know, we've got our own guy in there. (laughs) And I told you guys that before Joe announced. And then suddenly, and you can go back and look at it. This isn't like I'm making it up. And I even said, I heard them talking. I heard Schiff. (laughs) I heard Schiff trying to figure out how they're going to uh, frame the president for something, for anything in regards to Ukraine because of what um, Mayor Rudy Giuliani was doing in Ukraine. (laughs) Like. (laughs) See, this is where the FBI guy who was ousted kind of gave up some goods. What a loser. So uh, so enter into the picture this actor that, you know, was playing a president on TV, suddenly becomes a president. <laughs> so weird. And by 75% almost, right? Because if you actually count it all. And so what's weird is he wins and the president calls him and he's like, all right. So, you know, we, we're getting into the bottom of some stuff there in the Ukraine. We should talk and stuff. Uh, congratulations, da-da-da. And then a few days later, Joe's like, I'm running. But he did it virtually, of course. <laughs> he didn't go in person. He did it virtually, remember? This is 2019, no COVID. 2019, he virtually announced his run after they selected President Zelensky. And so they were really upset. Zelensky's like really freaking out. He's he's just a loser. He's just, you know, a loser. We've got the Manchurian candidate. And a lot of people are going to be like, that's Obama. And it's like Obama is the OG. He runs everything. We're talking butt plug. So anyway, uh, just so you understand how the story goes, Joe runs in and it's like this guy can't tie his shoe. He couldn't even come out and announce that he's running. Are you kidding? Well, don't worry. We'll lock everyone down so no one can tell. So they won't be able to see the numbers of the people. We'll get it done. So the attorneys, attorney generals and the governors, actually it was the governors of all the states, met in November of 2019, where Bill Gates was a guest of guess who? The governor of North Dakota, Doug Burgum, who, by the way, they're partners together uh, in Microsoft, right? And he comes in and they um, have this discussion about epidemics and pandemics, right? And then fast forward, January 2020, they have a big party. State of the Union goes amazing. Nancy Pelosi kicks it off with shredding papers. And if you remember, I told you, remember in February of 2020, where she was like, stop doing Asian hate. There's nothing to be worried about, about COVID. Because she wasn't read in on the plan because she's not in charge, right? There's other people that are in charge. So your governors knew about it. They had a party about it at Bezos's house in Washington, D.C. Tons of pictures of them there, right? 
tons of them in January 2020. And then suddenly in February, you have Nancy Pelosi saying, oh, this isn't anything. Look at me. I'm making fortune cookies in Chinatown down here in California. Look. And so everyone's like confused. Uh, people are wearing masks. Suddenly in Europe, everyone's bending the knee and they're just like all terrified of something that has a 99.99% survival rate, right? And you're just like, what's going on? So I decide with Millie that we're going to put a video together because this is a real ID. This is how they do it. Your identification is your DNA. This is why they demand that foreign people coming into our country have to have a COVID passport because that has your genetic information. Now, stop right there for a second. Let me take you back in time, kind of like Star Wars, where now I'm taking you to the first episode. Hillary Care. We need to start sharing information with all the nations. How do we do it? We do it out of healthcare. Lots of people travel, they get hurt, and we're just going to give them all their information. It's going to be in the cloud so anyone internationally can access it. She fails miserably because she's completely unlikable and she's disgusting. She's not even human, but whatever. So then Obama comes along. No, he's black. So you can't say shit about that because then he's racist. And oh my gosh, we just have the first black man, really? <laughs> His mom, former CIA, that took down governments. Oh, never existed before. Oh, John Brennan was his handler before he was a senator. Oh, so anyway, Obama decides, oh, you know what? You know, what if you go to Mexico on a holiday and you break your leg Don't and you can't talk? and you're in an accident. You want the doctors in those countries to know what you're allergic to. So here is how we're going to do it. We're going to use the AER system. So I'm in medical school studying at that time. And I'm watching this shit unfold. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, damn, they pulled that trigger real quick. I thought we were doing that only in Europe. Oh, shit. It was meant for us. Oops. I was working on that. I'm like, oh, shoot. So that's the Obamacare that I got myself into. And I started working just on the stuff that I knew, which was language access, right? This is how we facilitate. Because my job was always localization. How do we contact uh, the blind? How do we contact the deaf? How do we contact the non-English speakers in emergency situations, which would include pandemics? And so that was my addition, my addition to the Obamacare Act. I actually worked on that bitch. Just that section though. But I read the rest of it. So now everyone's like, yeah, man, if I'm in Thailand and I'm out in the sea and I drown or whatever and someone finds me, I definitely want them to know what my blood type is and stuff. So yeah. And guess what? You're going to have free healthcare. Everybody's going to have healthcare regardless of pre-existing conditions. Everyone's like, yay. Yet the other thousands of pages attached to that you know, nice bow on top of this big turd, which this big turd sucked the life out of any rights anyone had, was giving your information globally to your bank, to your, you know, insurance company, to the airlines, to your anything you want. It's federally regulated under HIPAA. So you have HIPAA and you're like, HIPAA. And it's like, yeah. So what's federally regulated? Just check Obamacare. Oh, that's everybody, including people you don't know. Okay. So now that we have a global system where we have everybody's healthcare in the cloud, now it's time to put the DNA to the face. How do we do that? I don't know. We get them vaccinated. And you know what's funny? That's the same shit I did in another country. 
which should be public soon in a lawsuit once it's announced. So you get everybody's biometrics, you put them in the cloud for the whole world, you've got their DNA, and then you've got these fancy things saying, oh, you know, this part of the new boarding process, we'll just facially screen you and you scan your QR code, which has, you know, oh my gosh, all your information, including your COVID status, which is basically just your identification via DNA base. This is why in 2020, when people were lining up and they were going to get tested, I was like, look, DNA harvesting parties and everyone just marched on doing it through drive through, through tent. Oh, look, it's like an airport. All you do is scan a QR code and we shove this shit up your nose and you're going to be great. And it's like, wait a minute. Are people that dumb? Can they not see it unfold? So then 2020, we had all our states colluding with each other that were being paid by these massive organizations, including the NFL-CIO, uh, to deploy mail-in ballots because everyone's just too scared. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. It's too scared. And, 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 and Biden can't have rallies because no one's going. He couldn't even fill one fucking circle. He was in a backyard with six people in a circle, social distancing, of course. Are you kidding me? Yet they were out there burning shit down. Riots everywhere. Nobody got sick. That was okay, but you can't have rallies. Get out of my face. And people ate it up because they were scared. See, fear and guilt are the best anchors to control someone's mind. And I guess the guilt part works on me. Because I had a hand in all of this. But so this all happened in 2020. Millie and I put a video out. We taped it right before the lockdowns, put it out just a little bit after the lockdowns, you know, editing it, uh, putting some, you know, cutting some coughs and, you know, whatever. And we told you guys, this is all about ID. Millie pulled out. Oh, look, you're going to have show me your papers. Show me your papers. And that's how it all panned out. And on top of that, they made it a thought crime to even speak things that were true. That's all in 2020. They gave you plagues. They gave you dust bowls. They gave you murder locusts. And they locked you down in your house. And I told you they were going to do it in 2018. But nobody listened. Tori's crazy. She's a grifter. I just Google shit into the future, right? No, it's because the same freaking template in another language, in another area was deployed in some variation. But to make the American people kneel down to them, they had to pull it all out. And now they're saying things that you're like, did they just say that shit out loud? Like Jake Tapper? Oh, it failed. It's really hard to be self-governed. Maybe we just need really good leaders. Almost like what McCain told me. Hey, Dory, we can't have people, uh, you know, selecting their own leaders. That would lead to chaos. Oh, chaos. You mean you won't have control. And I see this everywhere. And it's not just control of the left and the, and the Republicans and the rich, right? That's a problem that we have. We have the pretentious, I'm more special than you. So you need to shut up and listen to me, low life, right? That's the reactions we have. Right. From these people. Ugh. But it's not just that. It is really not just that. It is so devastating. To see people's minds be warped, for example, you know, and I'm going to be salty as fuck on this one. 
I went to uh, uh, an election integrity discussion thing where this guy from Colorado who's a computer guy has done some great work for Colorado comes out and says, I discovered in 2021 that the machines weren't certified and the certifications mean nothing. I'm like, um, yeah, you didn't discover that. Uh, I've been whistleblowing on that for a while. Sent letters, right? Wyden was the only one that bit in 2017. And guess what? He's going to get like this documentary made of him of how smart he is that he figured that shit out, even though it's on my declaration from November of 2020, which I went down there to tell them that it was set up. But on the, at the same time, I couldn't admit to crimes that I committed. <sighs> so it's like, mm. and then the Gateway Pundit on Friday puts out exclusive. The machines weren't certified. And it's like, seriously, Hoft? Like, are you serious now? Exclusive what? Two years later, get the fuck out of my face. See, and this, I'm, I'm, I'm salty, but I want to demonstrate to you. This is how people maintain control of the narrative. They put up the people that they believe are image-wise perfect to give them full control and say, oh my gosh, you solved it. Oh my gosh, great job. Because they want control. It's all about control. And it's like, this is so dumb. This is so dumb. Like both sides, even the guys that are on our side are trying to maintain control. It's so weird. So weird. It's not, you guys. This is a power struggle. I told you, if you watch the show American Gods, you'll see that it's a struggle between old gods and new gods. And you must understand that when the federal Federalist Party was dissolved uh, based on, oh, they're just racist and real nationalists, the Democratic Republican Party became Democrat and Republican. Republicans are in charge of the Democrats, and they just exchange power, making it seem like you have something, uh, you know, to say. You know, oh, look, you voted. No, you fucking didn't. Everything's rigged. Been rigged. The minute it went into electronic voting, rig, 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 rig. And I can prove it. I can totally prove it. And I will. Unfortunately, you have to do it in the right way. You have to do it without throwing yourself. And you don't want to be stupid, like throwing up, you know, your top secret computer access card. <laughs> it's a common access card, but it's to use computers and to show, uh, you know, you don't you don't throw up federal property that you're not supposed to have in your possession or you don't talk about things that can jeopardize the national security of your nation. I mean, you could talk about things that are publicly known and someone might spin off as a conspiracy theory. I'm more than happy that, you know, the more stupid I play and the more woo woo I play, the more people can't find I mean, that's a defense. You see, that's a defense. And that's how you get it done. It's all about control. So anyway, 2020 rolls around and they've got us all with these ballots. In the meantime, the AFL-CIO, that is the biggest, you know, unionized 
umbrella that has all the unions has the post office and the teachers that are pushing all this shit while they're training your 12 year olds to fight for rights that aren't really rights it's not a constitutional right to kill babies it could be your preference and it can be considered illegal or legal in your state but it's not a fucking constitutional right it's also not a constitutional right to mandate that i call you with whatever pronoun you fucking want I will call you by your name, the way you identify yourself. If you look like a Bob and you call yourself Stella and you introduce yourself to me as a Stella, I will call you Stella. If you tell me my pronouns are, I will tell you to get the fuck out of my face. That's pretty simple. You can't force me, not constitutional right to be identified as you want, because if that's the case, it should be my constitutional right for people to not talk shit about me. It should be my constitutional right for people to understand that it, I have had one of the hardest lives there is. I have had over two and a half decades of living a life where I can't even tell the people that I love what I do. I meet people and I want friends and I can't tell them what I do. I have to lie constantly in order to cover what I do. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how lonely that is when you don't have a friend that you can actually tell the truth to? No, you don't because you couldn't fathom doing a job like I did. And on top of that, it's funny how the North Dakota attorney general killed himself right before the indictment came out based on the shit that he did to me, but that's okay. That's okay. See, people like to forget that fact. They like to forget that fact. The fact that in 2017, he came riding up my ass because I showed the fraud with the state bank, the only state bank in the nation. $180 $180 million worth plus federal fraud, plus the child trafficking, uh, the, you know, cartels <laughs> had their agent call me. How did you know he had a Colombian necktie? We haven't released that to the public. And it's like, bitches, even if I told you, you wouldn't believe me because people like me don't exist. So, you know, it's so corrupt, this whole system. And in 2020, it was just nuts. All right. It was just super nuts, super nuts, super nuts. So then we had all these, you know, uh, Mail-in ballots. Again, Postal Service under the AFL-CIO. The AFL-CIO had sent out to their leadership in the late spring documentation saying, oh, you know, uh, this is the plan. Phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four. You know what? Let me pull it up for you guys so you, so you could see it, right? That would be good. Let me pull it up. Let me pull up the fucking document. We showed everyone and no one listened. Let's pull that shit up. Let's pull up the AFL-CIO. AFL-CIO document. Let's see. Where is it? There it is. All right. All right. Can I rotate this? Mm, let me download it. Open. Okay. So now I can rotate it. All right, there we go. Now let me share my screen. So you could see this document yourself. If you think that, oh, yeah. So here's the AFL-CIO document, COVID-19 SCC Task Force 2020, right? Oh, shoot. Are you kidding? It's not showing it. Give me a second. It's like it doesn't want me to show it. <gasps> Shut up. I kid you not, you guys, shot the front door. What? What? 
What? Hold on. Share. This one. Can you guys see it? No, you can't. What? Damn. Let me see. Can I share something else? Share that one. Let me see if that shares. That shares, but it won't share it the other way. Holy crap. And I can't flip this over. Holy crap. Okay. Um, can I? No, I can't. Oh, crap. All right. So we're going to read it sideways because it will not let me share the PDF. Holy crap. All right. So this is the AFL-CIO document that um, was given to Millie by Lieutenant um, Scott Bennett. After the election, we will mobilize to defend our victory to advance this labor movement's agenda. What was that agenda again? That's right. Wasn't it Blumenthal who went to the commies? That's right. Oh, my gosh. That's right. To the commies. So I showed this to you guys, I think, in September. So election is not one election, but 50 state elections. No shit. And territories, of course. Must be defended. State. By state. The election defense is built around SFs and CLCs. Oh, you don't say. Florida 2000 taught us post-election battles are not legal battles. They are political battles. Actually, it was a legal battle. And the Democrats, it was their freaking turn because they were supposed to have that reign. And they said, no, Hillary, no, Hillary, no, it's going to be the Bushes. There it is. And they stole it because, remember, the Republicans are in charge of the Democrats. So they were a little bit pissed mobilization, communications, and legal teams will be critical. I mean, why are they talking about this stuff in the summer of 2020? Like, why is upper leadership of the AFL-CIO talking about this shit? So we went through this together in September. We gave this to all the people that were supposed to be helping President Trump. But you know what it was? It didn't make people money. You can't fundraise if you already know the answer to the problem. So, duh. Five phases. Now through election day. Second phase, election night through Saturday-ish. Third, Saturday-ish through December 8th. Four, December 9th through January 6th. And five, January 7th through Inauguration Day. Oh my gosh, they had it planned out in five stages. So weird. Phase one, now through election day. Phase two, election night through Saturday-ish. What to expect November 3rd to 4th. Let me read it on the regular one because it's sideways, so I apologize. What to expect. Trump will claim victory based on early leads and call for no votes to be counted after election day. <laughs> How did they know that? Oh my gosh, how did they know that shit in the summer? Oh, that's right. I did a show on this in September of 2020, okay? Stop it. Let's keep going. Either claim widespread fraud or focus on urban Democratic strongholds if he is close enough to their states, especially Milwaukee, Detroit, and Philadelphia. How the fuck did they know that? That's very highly specific, super specific. Oh my God, it's like they're fortune tellers. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Hold on. 
let me see if I could just add YouTube because this is interesting. I just want to add YouTube because I'm not using anybody else's content. So it's unfortunate. It's only going to be part of it. So like I said, um, <laughs> we put this out in 2020, way before the elections, right? And after the elections happened, we went down to D.C. and we gave it to them, but nobody gave it to President Donald J. Trump. Because, I mean, are you kidding? How are you going to raise money? Shut up. So they knew that Trump will claim victory based on his early leads and call for no votes to be counted after Election Day and or either claim widespread fraud, focus on urban Democratic strongholds if he's close enough in their states, especially Milwaukee, Detroit and Philadelphia, like they knew they're like time travelers, too, and encourage his supporters to watch election administrators counting the ballots. Wait a minute. How did he know that? How did they know this? <laughs> oh, let me guess. Let me guess. So they fucking paid all the post office employees and the teachers and the electors and the slate of electors. But, you know, I told them that. Then we go to the next one. Strategic considerations. Trump's vote relative to Biden's will never be better than it will be at 1059 when polls close on the West Coast. How did they know that? Results after will favor Biden as the majority of the ballots remaining will be counted, will be mail and provisional. This will fuel Trump's claims of fraud, which will enrage his fault. You mean you're the one that runs the USPS union, AFL-CIO, and you paid all these people to stuff the ballot so you already know. Okay, got it. And the reason he already knows is because he needed to manufacture the evidence for what they need for digital. This is why it was, it was, uh, excuse me, that was my phone. I should have turned that on silent. So they already knew, right? Right. Results after that will favor ballots, uh, Biden, right? And then recent uh, court rulings that allow ballots received after November 3rd, if they are postmarked ahead of the election, will be another target of fraud claims. Yeah, totally sounds like fraud. But you know, they're telling you in advance, listen to this, unless the election is extraordinarily close in the tipping point state, we should know the voters' choice by Saturday, even though not all the ballots will have been counted. <laughs> Arizona, Florida, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan are most likely to be hot spots. Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin will have Democratic governors, aggressively anti-Democratic legislators, and a little and little or no experience with this much mail voting. Florida will likely be counted first. Wait, so you mean they knew all this stuff? You mean we told them all this stuff when we went down there and, you know, nobody paid attention? Hmm. Is that it? Interesting. Interesting. Let's go next. Phase three, Saturday-ish through December 8th. Now, I want to tell you that when I was in D.C., November 11th, you know, Millie, Gavin, and I showed them all this. And throughout the course, to the end of November and the beginning of December, I would say you are now here. You are doing everything they want you to do. The Constitution provides that governors have until December 8th, Safe Harbor Day, to appoint the electors based on their certified results of the elections. 
The Electoral Count Act provides that the state's choice of electors will be conclusive if two things are true. The electors are decided by a process set in state law by November 3rd, certification by the governor, except in Arizona, where the secretary of state does it, and that the state process delivers a result by December 8th, safe harbor day. That is what the strategic considerations of safe harbor day are. Huh. So then I remember pointing to the next slide to people like, you know, my friend Patrick Byrne and others and General Flynn, Joe Flynn, and other people that are appointees of President Trump. And I said, you are right here right now with the state legislature. Article two of the constitution provides that each state's electors shall be appointed in such a manner as the legislator therefore may direct. Since the 19th century, that manner has been direct, been direct elections. If the results are not certified by December 8th, then the state legislator decides on the slate of electors. Although it has never been attempted in American history, Trump supporters have argued that Republican state legislatures could appoint Trump electors by declaring that the certified results were poisoned by widespread fraud and used the three U.S. two to appoint different state of electors. Biden wins in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, North Carolina, and Arizona could be threatened either way. Wait, wait, wait a minute. This is the summer of 2020. How do you know he wins? Republican governors could fail to certify by December 8th to create a pretext for state legislative intervention. Some states have earlier state certification deadlines that Trump could attempt to exploit. Governors cannot veto actions by state legislators, but they are subject to judicial review by both state and federal courts. The current Supreme Court is likely to take a broad view of state legislative power in this context. So when I sat there and I said, you are here, stop fucking with the state slate of electors. They're all paid for. If they have this on paper, if they have this on paper, and you know, I'll, I'll make it so, Patrick Byrne actually apologized to me after the AFL-CIO came out and he's like, I should have paid attention to it. See, the thing is, nobody paid attention to two things. One, the planning right here. Two, the fact that the machines weren't certified. That was ironclad legal procedure that wouldn't have had a lot of woos and wahs on TV, but it would have been fucking solid and you didn't have to prove that they stole it. You should have just proven what I said in my declaration, which is you can't prove they aren't and you can't prove they are. Therefore, we shouldn't be using them. And this is a problem. So, again, the AFL-CIO had all of this planned out. And then they go to phase four. December 9th through January 6th. Again, strategic considerations. Think about it for a second, though. Why would a union have a slide like this going out to its high-level leadership when their job is just to collect union dues, right? Union dues and, uh, you know, make sure that people are getting their pensions. Like, why the fuck are they involved in our elections? Oh, that's right. Because they are the union for the postal service, teachers unions, federal workers, you know, all that stuff. So let's move on. Here are the strategic considerations. The Electoral College formally meets December 14th. If a state legislature takes action, there could be two Electoral College meetings that day in a state. 
The new Congress convenes a joint session on January 6, 2021. In that session, the electoral votes are accepted and counted. Here are the potentially precarious scenarios. If the count is tied at 269 to 269, the House decides, but with each state casting just one vote. Today, that would mean 26 to 24, Trump win. If neither candidate has 270 electoral votes because a state doesn't send a slate, two are sent and neither is accepted or another cause, it is ambiguous whether the candidate with the majority wins or if it's sent to the House, in which case it would be decided as above. Hmm. Huh. Interessante. Phase five. January 7th through Inauguration Day. But let's take a little hiatus right there, right? If you remember, in September and October, Millie had created the video with the sunrise exposed in the summer. We had put out the federal Zoom calls where there were federal employees. Some were SISA, some were Department of Labor. Oh, and you know the, the OSHA mandate for masks? It was written by one of these bitches that was on that freaking Zoom call calling for a federal coup. They clearly called it a federal coup. They clearly said that they will fight back so Trump is not in office, that they were going to do everything and we have them all on video. But, you know, I digress. Conspiracy theory, right? Even though they're on video and they've been validated and checked. Hmm. So let's go to phase five. Contingencies. No shit. If Congress approves of Biden's elections, most believe that both the Supreme Court and the military would resist any efforts to overrule that judgment. If Congress deadlocks, the Constitution would make the House Speaker president at 1 a.m. January 20th, 2021, when Trump's term expires per the Constitution. <laughs> Could you imagine President Pelosi? Get the fuck out of here. Get the bug. Like this woman, her eyebrows have migrated into her hairline. She looks worse than Justin Bieber. Okay, right now, all fucked up. And people will be like, that's so mean. Well, he did take the vax, and, you know, people are not going to admit it. But, you know, I've always said free Bieber. Haley was his handler, but whatever. You know, when he went to find Jesus, they made sure they wrapped him up. Furthermore, Trump's message goals. Set the stage for rejecting the results. Mail ballots are Democrats' fraud. Millions of illegal voters. Depressed turnout. Your vote might not count. Your vote might not matter. Divert attention away from his record. His record is stellar. We felt safe. We had money in our pocket. We had a job, right? All of that. And yet, his record? Can we talk about their record? Anyway. How to respond to Trump. Okay. Why are you telling your leadership at your union how to respond to Trump? So the union is telling their leadership how they should respond to the president of the United States. Everything he says, he says because he knows he's losing. Don't engage in his arguments. Debunking his claims means that they're de debatable. Attacking him for undermining the election can depress turnout because it conveys that he can reject the election results. Oh, okay. I see. Oh, by the way, you know, the irony again, because I Google shit, right? A the AFL-CIO president is named Trumpka, right? Well, he died. Oh, and guess when he died? Do you guys remember when I did that whole show about the first union 
right? With Hoffa. Do you mean Hoffa? Do you guys remember that? Yeah. So when I did that whole show, he was found dead that Monday. <laughs> so weird. So AFL-CIO President Trumpka on labor's role defending democracy, which by the way, it is said that Trumpka had a big, you know, Soviet type looking commie flag in his office. Weird. The lesson of our history is clear. Democracies are not. In the last analyses, protected by judges or lawyers, reporters or publishers. The survival of democracy depends on the determination of working people to defend it. You mean you're slaves. Because right now, everyone who's paying into a union has zero fucking dollars. I've already written tons of articles about Amalgamated Bank, which is the main bank that houses all your funds. If you actually ask for that documentation, it'll be zero. There's people that are asking their police unions, their other unions, like, where is it, right? Where's the money? And they can't come up because they spent it. There is no money. An amalgamated bank is just a Democrat bank that gives loans with just their signature for campaigns. Ooh, yeah. And the last slide, most interesting of all. What we need to do, win, defend, mobilize. Kind of sounds something, you know, dystopic from like, you know, 1984 or something. It's so weird, isn't it? So that all happened in 2020. So while your states were illegally creating mail-in ballot things, right? How 2,000 mules has not been debunked because it's actually government, you know, webcams, right? Government footage, right? Right? They manufactured the evidence to match the algorithm. They knew that even they would not have. President Trump won clearly. Clearly. They knew. And they had to. That's how they win. Right? And so what you had was a sick, twisted thing. I remember, and I'm pretty sure I said it on air in November of 2020. I was so sick and tired of seeing all these losers. And I call them losers because they betray their country for dollar, dollar, paper, dollar. Everyone was bidding contracts on how to help solve you know, election fraud. You had people chasing trucks and yes, they manufactured the evidence. It's common freaking sense. That's why they created the mail-in ballots. But that's not the point. Uh, that's not the point. Okay. They could have scanned empty freaking ballots with no circles. They could have just shoved in regular A4 paper with nothing. It still would have given the result they wanted because it's pre-programmed, but they needed to move that away. <laughs> so we had CIA asked former CIA people coming in to say, oh, we're here to help and we're going to bid this. And they were bidding 3 million, 1 million, 5 million, this, that, the other, trying to piece it together. And there it is, little old me sitting there. Well, can we just look at the certifications? If the machines aren't certified, then the elections aren't certified. So it doesn't matter who the fuck certifies them. The machines aren't certified. End of story. 
And the machines haven't been certified since 2017. They weren't certified in 2016, but they did give them a certification because the certification really doesn't mean anything. Because if you read the certification, it says we certify, but we're not really certifying it. So weird. It's almost like circular certification. <laughs> I'm certifying you, but I'm not taking any responsibility for the certification. And so, you know, it needs to be certified. But, you know, there's a process. It's part of a congressionally passed act. And since that wasn't, you know, adhered to, we should take it away. And I said to them, here's the way you win. You decertify all elections up until 2016. 2016 was valid because they had valid certification on file. Everything else is bullshit. Pelosi's not in the House Speaker. None of these motherfuckers are there. And we rewind back to 2016, whoever got elected. End of story. That's the way you fix it. Boom. And you know what they looked at me? That's chaos. <laughs> My response? Wait till you see what they have in store if we don't. And this is exactly what happened. Exactly what happened. They're silencing you. They passed red red flag laws. So now, apparently, if you look on eight eight kun four chan, follow Q, uh, you know, um, say that the elections aren't fraudulent. You know, don't believe like it's like a religion on getting vaccinated. No, it's my body, my choice, right? Huh? If you don't uh, use pronouns, you know, or anything like that, you're now considered a person that shouldn't have a weapon. They did that while they gave you the abortion. When? Hmm? And the people that did it are the people that you elected that lied to you that said, oh, we're all for Trump. And they voted to impeach him. They're not really Republicans. None of them are really Republicans. Some of them have grown a spine saying, you know, it's not fair. Some of them have kids. Oh, you know, and then they grew a heart over the years. But what the hell? How are you in office for 10 years? That's like five election sessions that you're still there. The reason the military rotates people every four years is to stop the corruption. And here we are. And it's 2022, and in about two months, they're going to purge all that data. And you know what? Everyone's like, Dominion, Dominion. Dominion, can we talk ESNS, Smartmatic? Heart and Civic. Because we saw the same shit happen in 2019 and in 2016. And I actually had to commit a crime in order to make sure that the 2016 elections were at least a little bit fair. A little bit. And they got caught because of it. And if you think that it's some loser from Canada, who, by the way, his family is like deeply embedded into the WEF and stuff, like you should totally look into that. But anyway, I digress. If you think that it's Pulos, that loser, or your ENSNS clowns, or your heart inner civic people, even though Tag Romney, which is Mitt Romney's son, owns shares in that company, just, just saying, um, are the ones, you know, that are doing it. You're wrong. They're just facilitating it. The people that are doing it, you haven't voted for. The people that are doing it are part of the fourth unelected branch of government. And I have said this so many times. When I say deep state, when I say shadow government, I mean it. I mean, how many times do I have to tell you, hey, I worked as a private contractor and had access to everybody's shit. NSA, CIA, FBI, you name it. I could jump on to an LEO site and pull whatever the fuck I want. Wherever I was on the planet. Because it's all been centralized. You know, when they, when I said, let's release the Kraken, it was, let's get this computer to fucking spill all that out. But no, we can't. 
But no. And then in, in, in a way to encourage people, when the quantum systems come online, people like to hijack it and play mind games and psyops. It's such bullshit. I mean, how are you guys not tired of it? You're listening to people shoving hopium down your throat. And the bottom line is the only way you win is when you wake up and you realize that you're the one really in fucking charge. That's the one thing that terrifies them is that the people will realize that they have zero power if you don't give it to them. I had a senator call me over the weekend. Not one that I talked to um, and asked questions, but another one. And, you know, he called me when I was having a really bad, you know, obviously. I had a flare-up, not feeling too good. But, um, and I'm kind of sad because my baby's gone, you know, for training. So, you know. Anyway, um, he called me Someone called me, someone called me to tell me that he's getting on the line. And I was like, I'm sorry, who the fuck are you? That's exactly what I said. Oh, I'm so-and-so. If he wants to talk to me, he can call me. I don't do that. Oh, but I'm just going to put you on a secure. No, no, no secure line. Fuck you. He's not important. I'm important. He can call me regular. See, he didn't like that. He really didn't like that. His message to me was like, why are you like that? And I was like, because you're a loser. Period. And that's it. You don't deserve my time. I'm a, I'm a nobody. He was just responding to something that I sent. But he needs to know that he is not that important where he gets to use my tax dollars to pay a fucking assistant to call me when he's the one in trouble. They're all in trouble. Every single one of them are in trouble. So if you're listening, Senator... That's why I didn't take your call. See, this is, this is the way it is. They have zero power. They're not even in charge. Like McCain told me when I was fresh, wet behind the ears, thinking that I'm going to serve my country in such a nice way, right? I was like, wait, so are we like fixing elections? He's like, silly. We can't have people picking their leaders. That would be chaos. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? This is 1999. This whole charade you saw with Bush and Gore was them at it, but they needed the hanging chads to get rid of the damn stupid manual machines. And get this. In what universe does it make sense that the Federal Department of Justice sued counties and states for not implementing the electronic voting machines? I'll wait. How does it make sense that the federal Department of Justice, right, sued states and counties for not taking on the electronic budget? I mean, I even have an advertisement. Oh, my God, this is so much fun. Oh, we're just a Canadian company, and we did it for the blind and stuff, and we're, like, fairly new. Fuck you, you're not new. I have a thing that you sent to New York competing with the SNS in 2006 saying, we're a New York-centric company. You're fucking not. You are cog in this um, incredibly well-oiled machine that has been operating for eons and just upgrading as technology is allowed to be given to the technology we have is just incredible.
You have no idea. When I showed you guys that little box with the hologram, you have no idea. No idea. And it's not my plea. Oh, just tell us. So if I tell you, will that change anything? No. That's the thing. People need to understand that this has been all well planned out. And the only way this can change is the minute you say no. And this isn't about left or right. Trump just represents us, the people, as people, human beings, right? Human beings, just average people that are not part of the club that are trying to make our communities better. And all they do is drip, drip, drip some technology, drip, drip, drip some of this. I mean, aren't you tired of it? You should be tired of it. And all the while, they're maiming and raping another country to test out shit. And then they rolled out a global experiment and people complied throwing the, well, I've told you this before. I'm pretty sure, you know, to whoever created the Tory said.com site. Fantastic. Because I'm pretty sure I've said this before. You can, money can buy anything you want except for health. Health is the most prized thing. Your health goes tits up. You're fucked. Right? Your health goes, you're fucked. And you're just Steve Jobs, fucked. Chavez, fucked. Everybody, fucked. No health. I don't care how much money you have. Right? And people in the year of 2020, 2021, and even today are not only throwing away their health blindly to people. Oh, I trust my government. Hi, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. They're throwing the most precious thing away, which is their health. And not only that, their kids' health. (laughs) Your health is the most important thing. And you know, it's so bizarre how people minimize their worth. You feel worthless? Oh, I do. I have a shirt right now with some coffee on it, not looking too hot, sideways bun. And actually, I got a jelly mask in the mail and I wore it to make myself feel better. Yeah, don't don't feel really good, but I'll tell you what. I won't give up my health for any of that. That's the way it is. And I won't give away my sanity for whatever they want me to do. These people are demonic. They're insane. They play games. And the thing is, those in Congress and the Senate are on a need-to-know basis. They don't know shit. They just know what they're allowed. So sometimes when you see them talk like Kennedy, you know, you want to say he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. But it's because he doesn't know. He literally doesn't know. But Chip, on the other hand, is in his little skiff right there. Remember when I said there was no whistleblower? Yeah, that's because it was on the fucking system and flies are accessible with the cranking. See, a lot of people think we don't have quantum technology. Yeah, we don't have quantum technology, but they're building quantum antivirus. Okay, let's build an antivirus for something that doesn't exist yet. This is how dumb people are. Oh, we're just building um, quantum antivirus um, for when we get quantum computing. Well, how do you know that's going to work on your quantum? Yeah, so, um, right? <laughs> Smile. And people eat it up because people tell them things and they accept it. They don't question it. This is why people are like, you're so cryptic. It's like, I'm not going to tell you. How can I deprogram you if I'm just giving you more shit? It's better. You're being posed questions. You're being shown naked truth. 
And this is how people start asking questions. But unfortunately, this is a double-edged sword. The double-edged sword is, is that you fall into these insane rabbit holes where you're waiting for some guy to come on a white horse with like special forces behind him. Get the fuck out of here. Come on. Like the more I see it, the more I, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to be fine. I should just let it go. So today I thought we could look at some of these conspiracies like, you know, the blood drinking. Oh, these, these people are so stupid. They talk about blood drinking. I'll tell you what. When I was doing my research, and I've said this before, and you all can see advertisements in different states. Well, we'll get to it after the break. Unfortunately, YouTube, hop on to Rumble because I'm going to have to disconnect because I'm going to get dinged if I use, um, you know, whatever. And I want to maintain my channel. So I'm going to just tell you this before I go, YouTube. July is going to be the ultimate month of recompense. You put shit out, you get shit back. You put good out, you get good back. But it's going to be extremely painful. See, the one thing... I saw someone in my chat say this because I do read as many messages as I can. I could you not. I have like 12,000 private messages. Like, how do I go through it? And then I have mail, which I absolutely love, by the way. I get cookies and masks and I got these awesome pajamas from someone. They were so cool. And I was like, yay, they need to get XXL. Thank you. And, um, you know, but. <laughs> it's going to be so difficult for a lot of you right now. Because you won't know what is up, what is down, what is left, what is right. So it's very important to keep your still. Trust your gut. Your gut tells you everything. Your gut tells you everything you need to know. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, I, I don't like this person's vibe. Good. Stick with it. I don't like your voice. Good. Demons don't like voices either. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Something that I, like I said, something that I saw on, uh, um, my channel that someone posted is like that when they sit and pray, they have all these weird thoughts. I've had that too. I've been sometimes where I'm like in a prayer, you know, where it first happened actually. Um, I think I was in, I think I was in Kuwait. So I was really scared because there was something and they needed to put us somewhere some chemical, something, something leak. So all these contractors were getting into this thing and I, I wanted to pray. And all I could think about was toilets and poop and evil things and bad things happening. And I was still trying to focus on the prayer for me to kind of just get centered and go, you know, and someone actually, um, put in there, Hey, I've noticed that, you know, every time I'm praying, you know, um, this, I keep having evil and horrible thoughts. And it's like, look, when evil, when you're doing good or when good is manifesting, evil screams. All you have to look is at all these people that are screaming to have the right to abort babies. And again, I say it. I am not the one that's going to sit here and tell you, you know, you're not allowed to commit murder because you can commit murder even if it's law or not. You don't give a shit, right? When you're going to kill someone, you don't give a shit. And, you know, there are parents, I've actually thought about that too. No joke, right? There are parents that, what if you're pregnant 
and you go to your 20-week screening and they tell you your baby has no head or they tell you all your baby's organs are on the outside and it's never going to go in and they're going to look all fucked up or that they have like 20 limbs or they're conjoined with like another freaking 20 twins, right? Or something, right? You might not be strong enough to be able to give birth to a child like that. You mentally may not be able to handle it and you would be able to go through something like abortion because you would see it in a way of, you know, giving it a more peaceful death, right? Another one is you get raped. There are people that get raped and get pregnant, In the past, not now, we have that plan B that makes your uterus a hostile environment so you don't get pregnant. So these are all questions that are personal to you. No doctor is going to force you to give birth to, uh, uh, you know, something that has like 20 limbs and just teeth everywhere. Because I've actually seen that in med school. There was something that was a woman gave birth to something. It was a teratoma. It was dead, but she went full term and she was fucked up after that. Like she couldn't even, she, she just imagined giving birth to, you know, monsters. And um, so, you know, people have that personal choice. If they're in a predicament where it causes them harm to their health, they can make that decision, right? It caused me harm to my health and, you know, me as a person coming out and saying, yeah, I did this. I did that. I did this and I must deal with the consequences. So everybody has consequences in any decision we make. So this ruling wasn't even a ruling, okay? This was just pointing out that having an abortion is not a constitutional right. Uh, no shit, Sherlock. But we knew that. But we knew that. Right? We knew that. We also know that we have freedom of religion, hence why it was held up that the coach shouldn't have been fired for praying in the middle. Would they have fired a Muslim if he pulled out his rug and started doing his prayer because it was call time? Fuck no. So there you go. So on that note, I've just posted the link in the chat for those on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, welcome over to Rumble. I'm, um, I'm going to disconnect just YouTube, Facebook. Or, you know, they they hide my channel anyway, so I can't get people to uh, you know come on there. So what I was thinking is uh, we're going to take a nice musical break, and we're going to enjoy a musical interlude while we. Um, Unpack a couple of these conspiracy theories in a little bit, right? Election fraud is not a conspiracy theory. It's a fact, okay? And they're really scared. And they should be because it's time for recompense. Recompense is a real, real thing, especially when you've done atrocities. Out in Africa.
uh, Africa, one of the biggest continents on this planet that has been maimed from the beginning of time. It's so unfortunate. They call it the dark planet because nobody gives it power. How the heck is Australia an isolated island that they discovered, you know, just a couple centuries ago, powered and wired and Wi-Fi'd, but not Africa, that everybody owns, (laughs) but no one seems to give power. So weird, right? Well, there's a reason for that. And today, even though I wanted to cover President Trump's rally, which we'll do tomorrow, I want to show you uh, some guy, this guy. And you'll understand at the end of this part of the show why I'm showing you this guy. So Scott Wallace, it's not about him, it's his dad. But we'll talk about him at another time. At another time. I want you guys to think. I have said that when I was uh, in, in school and I was training for this exact moment, right? And you could take that as you wish. I would have been a great doctor. I loved everything I did. I just didn't go in there for it. I would have, I love the ability to be able to even feel close to being able to do something. I just didn't go through it because that wasn't why I was there. I was there to sit next to the guy from South America that found the correlation between malaria and AIDS. I was there with the guy who literally had the answer to everything that Ivermectin, literally people that were on anti-malaria drugs would not get AIDS. I was there. I was there. I just so happened to be there. Just happened to be there. Happened to be there so that I can get onto that CDC federal work study and work on the H1N1 vaccine and put out my report. I was there to learn how you can splice DNA with my own hands. I can strip an ovum of its genetic code and insert new genetic code and create a zygote out of nowhere. Because I studied that. Scant, they call it. I studied that. But I didn't become a doctor because one... That wasn't why I started. I could have, but I couldn't because I had to go to Oregon and I had to finish what I started. And that was me doing all that myself. But I can still do an appy pretty well, right? I can also remove gallbladders way quick. And I'm quite, you know, quite medically friendly, even though I never got to do my internship Uh, Well, I did in radiology and surgery, but not like official, you know, like your residency. I I never got to it because I never got matched and I never finished it for that reason. I was going after the PhD route um, because that allowed me access to things like this. So when I did my paper for the uh, Christopher and Diana Reeves Foundation, um, that opened up a couple of doors for me uh, talking about um, the uh, nanobubbles. And in that area, I was able to go to UCLA um, and specifically UC Davis. And I um, uh, was shocked to see that the people that were speaking and the people that I was associating with uh, would go into these rooms where you would get craniosacral massages, right? But you would also get pick-me-ups. Now, we all have pick-me-ups of IVs, IVs, like banana bags or vitamin B12, vitamin C bags, you know, that make you feel better, hangover bags. But this one was different. 
it was young people that were over the age of 18 that were screened to be for your blood type, where people would actually get infused with younger blood. So I'm going to show you this video, and I want you to listen to it carefully. This is from one of the world's top supermodels. And I'm bringing this up so we can talk about this um, conspiracy theory. Uh, Everyone keeps talking about, wait, where is it? Is she not on here? Hold on. Give me a second. I thought I had it on here. Give me a second. I thought I had it. Ready? No, 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 no. There it is. Okay. I couldn't find it. I found it. Okay. So now listen to her story. I'm sure a lot of you remember her. Big fucking deal. JLo is a lot better looking than you, and she's only like two years younger. When I thought about it, all the actresses and singers and the personalities around my age all look better than me, and they all looked younger than me because they've had some work done. So I went on the internet, and I went, okay, I want to see pictures of a real 55-year-old. There was nobody there. It was a big empty hole. It wasn't until you got to Betty White where old people got to be cool again. Between JLo and Betty White is me. We're kind of falling into the hole of being invisible between those two women, and I'm not okay with that. So can you talk a little bit about how you're feeling right now? I'm sitting here preparing to bear all, and it feels lovely that I have this coincidence between this sort of more hopeful feeling and digging in to where I have been. Can you talk a little bit about what your style says about you? Clothes to me are work. When I was 15, I started modeling in Paris. And it was supposed to just be a summer job initially. And then it sort of turned into, oh, by August, I was making more money in a week than my parents combined in six months. And it was a very hard thing to walk away from. Being a model, you rent your body out as a blank canvas. And then you get poked and prodded and pushed around and shoved. We're one-dimensional creatures. You don't often see us in real life. You see us on flat photos. You really are an object. You are an apple in a still life. They just want you to shut up, be on the set, and do your job. I guess I'm so used to pleasing and always being what you want me to be, but that's what you're supposed to be. What are assumptions that people make about you based on your appearance? When I meet people who know my career, who are my age, and they know who I am, they will have one or the other image of me. Either I'm the hot babe in Sports Illustrated or the ice queen in um, Estee Lauder. Honestly, I was neither. I was exactly what I am now, basically a slightly goofy nerd. I would say at around the age of 45... I started noticing that the way I was perceived was slightly different than what I had become used to. And then I would put photos of myself in bikinis. All of a sudden, I started getting uh, the influx of, are you a little desperate there, Grandma? Uh, How about you cover up and spare us the look of your poor aging body? I was sort of getting relinquished to the invisible women category. It dawned on me that when you walk down the street, when you're a younger woman, it's like every man passes you and goes, is she fuckable? Now you can most definitely walk down the street without 
having anybody bounce anything off of you. Like people will literally just walk into you and you think, hold on a second. I am actually a far more interesting person than I've ever been. And this is where you don't want to see me anymore because I've aged out of being physically appealing to you. So what would you say has been your biggest struggle? I had gone through my childhood being extremely seen, but absolutely unheard. It's been sort of the bane of my existence. When I was three years old, my parents left me. They left the political system, communism and the Czech Republic. They started using public opinion to help their cause. Got a lot of Swedish people to sign on the cause of reuniting my parents with little Paulina. And it got the attention of the media, of the press, of TV. The Swedes would send out journalists to the Czech Republic and make me take pictures. I have no idea why there were photographers there, why they couldn't speak Czech, why I had to hold my teddy bear and pretend like I was crying. It's like, the only way to get rid of them is by obliging. Turns out that my follow-up career of taking photos where I would walk past the newsstand and there would be four covers of me simultaneously. And I felt like at my very most seen, I'm the very least heard. Can you talk a little bit about menopause, just the different things that you're experiencing, I'm assuming? I was going through this sort of transformative things of menopause, of these shifting hormones. That door is shutting on me. And then the door of my marriage and my husband completely shut. To me, my menopause is tied into the grief over my husband. And I can't separate what made me feel happy. I loved my husband for 35 years, the last three of which we were separated. We were there for each other uh, in those kind of physical ways that we had become uh, habituated to. It's just no longer was a marriage. We had been together for my entire life since I was 19. And suddenly he seemed not to find me attractive anymore. I started feeling like I was a coffee table, something you put shit on and bump into in the middle of the night, but pay no more attention to than that. It made me feel worthless as a woman. I thought I was going to stay with his men for the rest of my life. We had said in sickness and in health, for better or for worse. But then it was neither. It was nor better nor worse. He just stopped seeing me. He, he never actually heard me. What do you mean by he never heard you? Well, I, for that, I would have to go back to the beginning of my marriage in which my husband always saw me. And it made me feel so loved because my parents never saw me. And so I finally found somebody who could see me, did see me and wanted me. And that solved my problems for like ever. And then you start growing up. And I realized that I wanted my partner, my husband, to... He listened to me so that he could see that I'm no longer just a hot model that he had married, but there was, you know, other things about me that I thought were valuable. Like what? Uh, pretty much everything else but my looks, honestly. I had thought I was boring for 30 years because my husband made me feel boring because whenever I would speak, he would just yawn and look around and completely 
dismiss me. I sort of went with that for a while till I could no longer take it. I started changing the rules on what our marriage was supposed to be. And then he started changing his rules too. Oh, well, if you're going to be demanding and a bitch, well, then I'm not going to touch you. And I thought, one brilliant last idea. What if I give him the ultimatum before I'm finished? When I still love him, when I still want to make this work. And I don't know how to have needs and not scare people off. I don't know how to balance that yet. And how do you feel about wrinkles and face and all of that? I was having dinner with a famous fashion photographer. She's so hot. To me and I was like, hmm, oh, hmm, listening to him. And he looks at me and after a while goes, oh, stop that. And I went, well, stop what? What am I doing? And he goes, weird things with your face. And I'm like, weird things with my face. That, that. And I went, oh, frowning? You, you don't want me to frown? And it dawned on me that he hadn't seen a woman my age frown for a really long time. And it was upsetting to him. I understand what it takes to make my skin wrinkle-free, and I don't think it's worth it. Being able to express how I feel to me is one of the most wonderful things about my face. I'm like, isn't that why it was made? I'm trying to go, how about this? How about this unaltered, even beautiful? How about that? Why in your body, in your skin, in your journey, why is it a good place to be? There's been so much grief and sorrow and pain. So much has been contained by this body. I feel like it needs to be aired out a little bit. I think I need to wash it with some soap uh, inside. And then I need to like stick it out on a windowsill and like let the air flow through it. And then I'll reclaim it. But right now it's like, oh, the insides are like, it's tar. As much as I embrace this body and as much as I'm proud of who I am, I'm also broken and I'm assembling myself. So it's not the greatest place to be yet. Mm. It will be though. It'll be pretty freaking awesome. I love that. I love the size of your smile. That's <laughs> How do you feel? I feel great. I feel like I took a really deep, deep dive into me. And this is the kind of shit I think about all the time, but nobody listens to me and nobody <laughs> asks me questions. So this was really rewarding. <laughs> I'm so glad you feel that. I that do. So thank you to our partner. This is Paulina Poriskova, one of the top highest paid models in the world. And she's two years older than JLo. But JLo looks like this. And, you know, we've all seen how Madonna looks, right? So JLo looks like this. Can we go into Gwen Stefani? Right? We could go into her too. But this is JLo right here. Doesn't look like she's 53 years old. I mean, when you take the makeup off, right? No Botox, right? Uh, you know, I say it all the time. I mean, I'm 45 almost, right? 
44, 45. I, I, I take care of my skin the way I want to. A lot of people are like, how do you not have wrinkles and you smoke? And it's like genetics. And every and the way you treat your body is the way it will treat you, I guess. But they all get plastic surgery. And they also do things like this. I showed this to you guys in 2019. Um, I think it's important we see it again. I hope you're ready for this one. Now, they told you it's ozone. I want you to pay attention. Wait. There's an advertisement. Two, one, go. This is Madonna. So I've mentioned it before that when it rains and you step outside, uh, what you smell is ozone, right? That fresh smell is ozone. So what this person is showing her is, oh, here's the smell of ozone. Now, uh, your blood um, doesn't have ozone naturally, but ozone is uh, O3. We can't recreate ozone in a laboratory because nobody understands how the three oxygen molecules bond and they give off a scent. Now, <laughs> I've talked about this before extensively, but what I want to show you is, is that um, when they... And this is true for the blood girls and blood boys that they have. And in LA, you've got top dollar if you're healthy, young, fit, and especially if you're O negative. Um, they actually inject ozone into the blood as well in order to create better efficacy. Now watch this. She did this in front of her kids. This was on Instagram. <laughs> It, see, you can feel it's cleaning like fresh. Oh, wow. It's intense if you take too much. Like, just so you know what we're doing, we're, we're spinning the blood now, mm -hmm. mixing it, and so the wow. gas is coming in the top. So are you taking blood out of me right now? Yeah. We did this with this cup, do you see? It's not, it's not taken anymore. We That's a lot. I know. So That's like a big glass of beet juice. <laughs> and then we're going to send it back to you. It's hot juice. You took it off. Okay, so what are you doing with that? Well, we're mixing it with the ozone gas. And then we're sending it back. So what is it? Is only part of the blood? Or? Um, this is all of the... I mean, no, you have five liters. So this oh, is it's a circuitry. Yeah, it's a lot of blood. Yeah. Bra. So, wait. You didn't take the needle out, did you? Nope, we're going to switch the tubing so you now get your hydration. But I, I only got one treatment. We did three tests. You did? Yeah, three. I didn't even feel it. 
Yeah, I know. I told you, it depends on if you're distracted. Not now. But you said I'm supposed to get 10. Yeah, but we want to be sick. Just try three and first Six. time. Yeah. Because you're sensitive. sensitive. Like, you may feel nothing, like, but. You start slow. So that was her doing it in front of her kids um, and articles were written about it. But I want you to see what she looks like. What is she like? 70, right? I'll look it up. But this is, this is her right now. Hold on. Let me just go up on her Instagram. She was actually banned for putting granny porn. She was literally putting porn, granny porn. But this is her now. Look at this. She looks crazy. She looks legit crazy. You don't know what it is. <coughs> That's what they said. That's no, a filter. That's a filter. Here she is again. Her face looks bigger. It's like that cat lady that does a lot of, um, you know, here's her latest videos. You know, you kind of feel sorry for them at some point because their youth was what got them where they need to be. But it's kind of like, can you just let it go and just it's over? But they won't. They'll do anything to maintain that status. Now, I just want to say this is where it goes back to. I've done whole episodes on hemovores. It's important that people watch those videos. They're still alive, right? The hemovores videos are very important. Uh, the blood banking industry is one of the biggest industries there is, plasma, et cetera, et cetera. And now, you know, obviously, a lot of people tell you that, um, you know, uh, youthful blood, hold on, where's that report? Youthful blood um, flows aging. And it's so crazy. This is from eight years ago on CBS, CBS. And it's always been in your face. Think about it. Three new medical studies out this morning show young blood can improve lives. Researchers took old mice and gave them blood and blood proteins from young mice. They found the old mice showed improved muscle and brain function. Scientists hope these mouse studies will lead to anti-aging treatments for humans. CBS News medical contributor Dr. David Agus is in Los Angeles. David, good morning. Good morning, Charlie. So tell us about these studies and what they mean. It was something a cross between vampire and Frankenstein where they took two animals and they hooked their blood supply together for four weeks called parabiosis. And it was experiments that were originally done in the 50s that showed mice seem to reverse aging. Now we know the mechanism. So three separate groups show this. When you hook the blood together after four weeks, the stem cells in the brain and the muscle and the heart, they get activated and turned back on. And in fact, the, the young mice age and the old mice reverse age and very powerful. Brain works better. They were able to get through a maze better. Their muscles work better. So certainly very exciting findings. And what does it mean for humans? Well, the human clinical trials, the researchers say, will begin later this year. And the hope is, is that in these studies, they identified a particular protein. So you don't need all of the blood from the young person. You need that protein that may be able to reverse some of the effects of aging. So the dream is, instead of treating a disease, 
we actually change you so you're not aging and you can actually hopefully even reverse it. Has enormous implications for people with disease and people as they grow older. You know, David, my understanding is that this was done on a particular strain of a mouse that was inbred. Do you think this could eventually be the fountain of youth or at least help people with Alzheimer's and other diseases? Well, the mice are the lucky ones, right? You look at all these rheumatic cancer treatments. They always help the mice. These experiments, as you say, were done in mice that were genetically identical. And so will it translate to humans? The true answer is we just don't know. And so the experiments will be done, but it really is hope that not slowing aging, which a lot of studies have shown with various drugs, but this actually reversed the changes. So there clearly is something here. These are the best science journals with really well done science, but it will take a while before we understand how to control it and use it appropriately and safely in humans. Dr. Agus, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Agus. You see, this isn't some conspiracy theory. And blood drinking, don't think of it that way. You know, this is what they do. They take real truth and they spin it. And they say things and then they and then people keep repeating it as if it's something true. Remember, that was from eight years ago on CBS. Well, here's one from CNBC, which is what? Why was I born if it wasn't forever? But life, if anything, is impermanent. Flowers die, stars die, and you will die. So if you can't defeat death, what if you could postpone it? Or at least postpone the diseases commonly associated with getting old? Many people, especially the ultra-wealthy in Silicon Valley, are investing money into companies trying to answer exactly those questions. Richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos, and billionaire PayPal co-founder Peter Thiel have both invested in the space. In 2013, Google formed aging research company Calico. There's also BioAge, BioViva, the Longevity Fund, AgeX, the Methuselah Foundation, and many others. Whenever you meet a fundamental human need, there's a market. And in this case, the market for age-related disease and aging uh, is a trillion-dollar market. Billionaire Oracle co-founder Larry Ellison has donated hundreds of millions of dollars to aging research. Bulletproof founder Dave Asprey has spent more than a million dollars hacking his own biology. I, right now, am expecting to live to about 180. I think that's very achievable, assuming a truck doesn't hit me. People claiming to know what you ought to do to live longer is not anything new. Historically, as is still the case today, a lot of it just doesn't work. This medicine is a fake. Yes, I'm a fake. Yakov's a fake. This is no good. I tell your mother we're cheating all the people, don't you see? From selling dietary supplements to stem cell injections, there is already a huge amount of money being made. Right now in San Francisco, for $8,000, you can get a liter of blood from 16 to 25-year-olds injected into your body. What? What? Did you hear that? Kind of sounds something like this. Tell me why are you people so By one one estimate, estimate, the global anti-aging market could surpass $271 billion by 2024. 
goals vary too, from trying to add decades to your life to simply trying to extend the years your body remains healthy. So what's real? Because there really is new science worth being excited about, and what's just wishful thinking or straight-up snake oil? Surpassing all the medical specialists in all the hospitals of the globe, who's going to be the first to buy a wonderful bottle of Vitazone? If you look around for ways to live longer or look younger, you will be offered tons of solutions. Activated charcoal is the general longevity leader in research and extending lives in animals. I take about 150 supplements a day. This could eliminate all disease. This perhaps is immortality. You're bordering on sounding like like snake oil. No, 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 And some people, especially in places like Silicon Valley, are already taking sometimes elaborate steps to fight their own aging bodies. It's our job to disrupt things. We literally go out and say, isn't there a better way to do this? So why wouldn't we disrupt medicine? Because frankly, medicine has failed us. Part of it comes from the technology and the engineering sort of mindset that many of the people who have become wealthy in Silicon Valley have. They view human biology as something that can be engineered. And so I think that many of us who are biologists by training can look at some of the strategies that money's being thrown at and just say, that's not going to work. The science of aging, gerontology, is not new. But fairly recent advances have changed what scientists suspect might eventually be possible. Now, I want to say I actually uh, was uh, uh, TAing on a federal work study with this guy that looked at worms. I kid you not. In his whole um, research, he's in Illinois now. Uh, He left the University of Kentucky and went there. But his whole research was looking at earthworms and how to make them live longer. And what he found was he obviously fasting and keeping them completely, you know, with no food, um, extended their health. So he would put them on fasting cycles. But one thing, you know, that was weird is um, another guy that was researching uh, life expectancy, life longevity, and that wasn't my focus of study. Therefore, I didn't focus too much. But what I noticed was, is that they would take, uh, just like they said, uh, younger animals and, and salamanders that can regrow limbs, right? And so the older ones would get their limbs cut off, but they would graft a younger limb and therefore reduce their age. So it was like almost Frankenstein shit, right? And I've said this before, while people are talking about human and child trafficking, what they don't seem to understand is, yes, a portion of it is for like crazy, sick individuals that think kids are attractive. Others, like, you know, the Nimrod followers, are all into cannibalism because they believe that they take in their spirit. Like, this is crazy stuff. But I've also said that the majority of the people trafficked have nothing to do with slavery, sexual slavery, or, you know, sustenance. It has to do with experimentation. And I say this again and again and again and again experimentation. One thing that um, uh, Jeffrey Epstein had focused on in uh, his years was 15 years of studying artificial intelligence in Ethiopia, but also in Africa, something that, uh, you know, Dorsey, uh, Oprah, 
and Obama and, 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 and with all these NGOs, the Clinton Foundation, um, have had in Africa is creating schools. Schools attract children. They tell you that they're helping them become stronger women and they learn things. And yeah. You'll see 30 students go through, but you won't see the 300 that are being grafted or used in experimentation. And this was something that Ghislaine Maxwell actually with her Terra uh, company was doing, which was looking into it. This is goes back to why I was uh, very upset that Mattis was on President Trump's cabinet because he was sitting on the board along with Kissinger on Theranos. Theranos was doing blood studies. I've written an article about that. And so these are all really, really important things that can fall into place when you take a 40,000 foot view. Now, uh, you know, the media loves say they baby drinkers, baby blood drinkers. Look, no, they don't drink the blood. Let's be straight. See, this is how they make people look nuts. Like when NBC, you know, Maddo got all upset about time travelers. Oh, some people think they're time travelers. It's called predictive analytics, loser. That is actually AKA time travel. Hence why I know this shit in advance, because we do have quantum computing. There's no reason we should have quantum antivirus if there is no quantum computing. And quantum computing, as I've said Your DNA is simply code on five building blocks. All you need to do is have some really smart people crack that. And humans are hackable. Said that in since forever that I've been on air telling you that. It's not something new, right? But, you know, of course, it'll be an exclusive by someone in a few years telling you, oh, my gosh, humans can be hacked. (laughs) It's like, whatever. This is why we have computational biology hello so all of these things are not conspiracies these are facts people think of vampires and they're like oh my god they sink your teeth in there and then they suck your blood dry yeah but not with their teeth they graft their face skin on theirs yeah but not with their teeth they eat them yeah they your cattle you know, these aren't, you know, they make stories to make you look crazy. And they make you think that, you know, these are crazy, whatever. But when you look at it to the bare bones, right, it's science. Like in front of you, they're winning prizes for this shit. They're literally doing it. I saw them sitting in the massage relax room for all these top-notch fucking neuroscientists and physicians where they sat down, got prepped, had the kids or the blood bags ready. God knows what age those blood bags were. And they were getting ozone in there and infused and said, take a seat. I was like, nah, I'm like... O negative, and I can't even take O negative. Thanks. I'll just watch and we can talk. And it was really weird. They were like, oh, no wonder you have good skin because you're like golden blood. I get it now. And it's like, (laughs) then you hear, you know, this in the back of your mind and you're like, yep.
still be 205. People live to be 205. You know, and it's like, uh, let's make 50 the new 90. Then that would make the 100 about 200, right? Uh, you know, this is regular stuff. Look at the people and how they age. That's all you have to see. Look at the people and how they age. Look at your idols and how they age. Pay attention to them. They all get replenished parts. How many uh, heart transplants has George Soros had? What about the queen? She's been 80 for like fucking few decades now. See, and, and people like Hillary Clinton said are freaking stupid because they don't pay attention to these massive details that are screaming in their face. And they make you look crazy. And that's the thing. They make you look crazy because they're like, oh, you believe in baby blood drinkers? No, they don't drink it. They're just getting it transfused. And they suck it the fuck dry when it's young, 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 young. See, this is the problem that we have right now is that they take mythology, they take stories, and they take crazy people with red digital string. And they make you look insane. You know, they'll also tell you shit like, oh, that doesn't exist. You know, that that's not a true thing. And it's like, but no, this was actually part of uh, history. What are you talking about? No, that's not true. So I'm going to leave it today with this because I have to go work on something. I'm going to leave it to introduce you to someone. You know, I had this conversation with a very dear friend today. And so, um, I have an inspiration. He rem- and I was like, oh my gosh. See, this is why we're friends, because we know this shit. On October 9th, 1874, a man by the name of Nikolai Kostadinovich uh, Roich was born. He was a painter. I know him for his painting of St. Pentelimon. He did uh, really great iconography. He was an archaeologist, a theosophist, a philosopher, and a public figure. And he was influenced with, um, you know, everything Russian. He was uh, raised in St. Petersburg. And after the February Revolution of 1917, um, you know, and the end of the Tsarist uh, regime, Rorich um, actually evolved. Evolved to the point that in 1925, um, after he left New York, along with his um, son, George, they all left and did an Asian expedition. In fact, Tarzan's, nope, nope, not going to say it. In fact, (laughs) the U.S. Department of Agriculture headed the Rorick um, uh, mission. Uh, It was actually by a guy named... I do? What's talking? Uh, Someone's listening again to my stuff. That was my, my watch. Henry Wallace sponsored an expedition by Rorick and scientists. Uh, Macmillan and Stevens to Inner Mongolia, Manchuria, and China. Now, I don't know if you guys see it and see, this is why we had this conversation with my friend. This is why we're friends. Um, 
there were things that were discovered and we're not going to go into it. I'm just introducing you to this person and you can go read about things. There's a whole museum about this man and what he did. Um, Lots of paintings. But the one thing he did was um, delve into uh, what used to be called Tartaria and um, certain things that are what someone would call, and my friend called it this, Jacob's Pillow. And so it's a cube, of course. And, um, well, just watch an introduction to him. How's that? I'm going to leave you with that. That way you can get introduced to this person without anything. And, you know, um, well, let me just leave it at that. Here we go. Maker of the future. The name of a great Russian artist, Nicholas Rurik, is very much honored in the native and world culture of the 20th century. His art is so many-sided, his achievements are so great, that they can't help inspiring wonder and admiration. What has been done by Rurik is far beyond the common idea of human abilities, said Okladnikov a Siberian academician, about Nicholas Rurik. Nicholas Rurik is famous all over the world as an artist, but he also made a great contribution to the world culture as a writer, an archaeologist, a scientist, a traveler, a philosopher, and as a statesman. He is also called the guide of culture. In his many-sided art, he combined Oriental wisdom and Western culture. Rurik left enormous cultural heritage, more than 7,000 canvases, many of which are in the best museums of the world. Knowing history, taking part in archaeological excavations, helped Nicholas Rurik to express in a new light the spiritual steps taken by the Russian people in the millennial history. From his beloved Russia, the artist aspired to the questions common to all the mankind, to understanding of the modern reality on the planet. India, which still keeps its specific spiritual wisdom, drew him irresistibly. Going deeply into the art of different people, Rurik came to understanding of the unity of the true spiritual culture of all the mankind. His pictures are permeated with the light of the supreme wisdom. Rurik proclaimed the concept of true culture as worship of light. Bringing light into culture clears up darkness of ignorance. The light of his canvases helps to get in touch with the inconceivable secrets of the universe, to get closer to understanding of eternal and imperishable basis of life. Rurik's philosophical views had universal orientation and they came home to millions of people. While Rurik was alive, there were already more than 50 societies named after him and dozens of educational institutions which supported and realized Rurik's ideas. The Rurik Pact is of great importance in the matter of developing friendship and cooperation. With this document, Rurik managed to bring the task of protecting cultural or artistic heritage 
to the level of all human problems. The main task of the pact is to protect amazing artifacts and the whole world's scientific achievements from destruction. The Rurik Pact was signed by vast majority of countries, including Russia. Rurik offered the banner of peace as a symbol of protection of all the creations of the human genius. The meaning of this ancient symbol of triune is really deep. The most common explanation of it is past, present and future in the circle of eternity. It might also symbolize art, science and spirituality in the surrounding circle of culture. The banner of peace is kept in the United Nations Organization in the Russian State Duma. It was brought more than once to the highest peaks of the world. It's taken on board the spaceships by astronauts. Rurik led a five-year-long expedition, in which his wife Helena Rurik and his elder son George also took part. The Central Asian Expedition, which turned out to be one of the greatest scientific and human achievements of modern geography. Rurik found the evidence to prove his thoughts that Central Asia was the cradle of all world religions and the humankind itself. The unique archaeological, geological, botanical, ethnographic collections were made during the expedition. These findings and discoveries were so unexpected for the science that it's hard to evaluate selfless labor of the Rurik's. The main result of the Central Asian expedition was the foundation of the Himalayan Research Institute Rusvati, which means in Sanskrit the light of the morning star, headed by Professor Nicholas Rurik as its founder and by Dr. George Rurik, his elder son, as director. Under hard conditions of the expedition, the artist created more than 500 pictures and sketches of the Himalayas. When Nicholas Rurik was asked what it was about the Himalayas that drew him to them, he answered that it was greatness that feeds the spirit. The artist depicted vast landscapes and people of Central Asia in his pictures, in which ancient legends, beliefs and profound philosophy of the East, difficult of access areas and the highest mountain passes were reflected. A great many pictures painted in those years formed the basis of the collection of the Nicholas Rurik Museum, opened in New York City, while Rurik was still alive. There was another museum by his name that opened in Moscow, in the International Center of the Ruriks. In Novosibirsk, the capital of Asiatic Russia, people with immense force of enthusiasm were building the public museum of Nicholas Rurik. In Altai, the Memorial House, a museum in memory of Nicholas Rurik, was restored. He stayed in that house during his Central Asian expedition. The museums display the creative work of the Ruriks, who are rightly called the Great Family of Russia. Helena Rurik is the artist's wife, friend and life's companion, the inspirer of all his good undertakings. Nicholas Rurik used to say that all his works should have two names signed on them, one male and the other female. Helena Rurik spent all her life in incessant labor. She wrote a lot of letters answering numerous questions of the reporters from different countries. Her deeply philosophical letters were published while she was alive and they are still in great demand among those 
who aspired to understand the spiritual principles of existence. Besides letters, Helena Rurik wrote a number of books under different pen names. She was a brilliant translator of the most complicated texts of Eastern philosophy. Helena Rurik prophesied the bright destiny of Russia. In 1948, she wrote, Bright light is all over my motherland. These are hard times, but the best country will become the cosmic basis of balance in the world. The best country will be the most constructing and the most beautiful one. The elder son, George Rurik, is a world-famous orientalist, a person of phenomenal abilities. He knew more than 30 languages. A famous scientist once said, George Rurik was among the greatest scientists, a person of encyclopedic knowledge of East and West. He didn't know any limits to knowledge. He was the only one in the family who managed to come back to Russia. He did a lot for the development of Oriental studies in Russia while working at the Institute of Oriental Studies in Moscow till the very end. But the main thing is that after long years of oblivion, he brought the name of his father, Nicholas Rurik, back to their motherland and donated more than 400 pictures. It was the great artist's gift to his motherland, which he loved with all his heart and all his life dreamt to come back. Svetoslav Rurik is the Rurik's younger son. He was an artist, a scientist, an art critic and a statesman. He made a great contribution to the fight for peace and consolidation of partnership between India and Russia. Jawaharlal Nehru called Svetoslav Rurik's exhibitions a feast of beauty. His art is rich and varied. An amazing display of sound colors in his landscapes is the reflection of that beautiful and mystic reality that surrounds us, but can be perceived only by the artist with subtle perception skills. The portrait genre takes an important place in his work. What the artist is saying in his symbolic canvases is that the fates of the humans and the planet are jeopardized. For the planet to survive, people should change their minds and stop the wars. They shouldn't continue to persist in their ignorance, but aspire for the eternal values and build a new life. This is what Svetoslav Rurik proclaims through his art. He came to the Soviet Union more than once with the exhibitions of his and his father's paintings. He initiated the Rurik Museum in Moscow. He donated some of his and his father's pictures to the museums of their motherland. The Rurik family is unique and wonderful. The Ruriks left the rich and vast artistic, scientific, spiritual and philosophical heritage which is to be studied by the next generations. The giants of spirit and thought will always be ahead of their time. They come from the future to the present to bring us closer to this future. At the very beginning, they are often misunderstood and denied by us. Their ideas and thoughts are too new and unusual to us. Their thoughts are of unexpected direction. But the time goes by, people grow in mind and gradually get involved into the orbit of progressive movement initiated by the leader of revival. He begins to be perceived by his most progressive followers. So, finally, 
comes the era that was to be created by this maker of the future. Now comes the era of Rurik, the era that is inseparably associated with the rising culture of spirit. So before I let you guys go, first of all, that's not the symbol of Ebola, right? It's something else. But I'm going to have you look at lyrics of the song, having seen what you've just seen, and asking questions like, what is this pact? What did it talk about? He kind of looks familiar. Where have I seen that before? You know, stuff like that. But also, look at the lyrics and listen and enjoy this music. God bless everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Just walk this way to the dawn of the light. When I blow into your face as the years pass you by, hear this voice from deep inside. It's the call of your heart. Close your eyes and you will find. There's a doubt of the dark Here I am Will you send me an angel? Here I am In the land of the morning star